Welcome to the Come Follow Me podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals and forums specially curated to accompany your weekly Come Follow Me studies. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. My beloved associates, members and friends of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, This has been a glorious Sabbath for us thus far. And now, Sister Benson and I are honored to be in your presence. I rejoice with you in our great performance and victory at San Diego. (laughs) Having just returned from our second two-week tour in South America, I'm indeed grateful for the rerun of that choice game yesterday. (laughs) You, You should have heard the comments of my wife. We as general authorities are proud of you and your great school. We have confidence in you. We love you. There isn't anything in the world that the general authorities wouldn't do for the youth such as you that's right. We love you and we have the great desire to see you succeed. And so I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will be with us tonight, that I might be an instrument in the Lord's hands to bless and edify you. I have no other desire. For nearly 6,000 years, God has held you, most of you, in reserve to make your appearance in the final days before the second coming of the Lord. Every previous gospel dispensation has drifted into apostasy, but ours will not. True, there will be some individuals who will fall away. But the kingdom of God will remain intact to welcome the return of its head, even Jesus Christ. While our generation will be comparable in wickedness to the days of Noah, when the Lord cleansed the earth by flood, there is a major difference this time, and that is that God has saved for the final inning some of his strongest children who will help bear off the kingdom triumphantly. And that is where you come in. You who are here tonight, you members of these 14 great stakes, 
For you are the generation that must be prepared to meet your God. All through the ages, the prophets have looked down through the corridors of time to our day. Billions of the deceased and those yet to be born have their eyes on us. Make no mistake about it, you are a marked and a choice generation. There has never been more expected of the faithful in such a short time, a short period, as there is of us. Never before on the face of the earth have the forces of evil and the forces of good been as well organized. Now is the great day of the devil's power, with the greatest mass murderers of all time living in our day. But now is the great day of the Lord's power, with possibly the greatest number of priesthood holders on the earth. And the showdown is fast approaching. Each day the forces of evil and the forces of good pick up new recruits. Each day we personally make many decisions that show where our support will go. The final outcome is certain. The forces of righteousness will finally win. What remains to be seen is where each of us personally, now and in the future, will stand in this fight and how tall we will stand. Will we be true to our last days, our foreordained mission? That is the question. Great battles can make great heroes, but heroes will make great battle. You will never have a better opportunity to be a greater hero in a more crucial battle than in the battle you will face today and in the immediate future. Be warned that some of the greatest battles you will face will be fought within the silent chambers of your own soul. David's battles in the field against the foe were not as critical as David's battles in the palace against a lustful eye. Each of us will find our own battlefields. The tactics which the enemy will use against us will vary from time to time. He will feel after our weak spots. We must be alert to the devil's devious designs, the subtle sins and clever compromises as well as the obvious offenses. Fortunate for us, we have the privilege of fighting under the Lord's banner. While the devil hates us and seeks to make all men miserable like himself, the Lord instead loves us and seeks for us the fullness of joy which he enjoys. Christ lived on the earth and was subject to all manner of temptations, but he won every battle. 
He is the most successful warrior that ever walked the earth. And he wants to help us win every battle, be it personal or public. When we fall short, his atonement will cover for us on certain conditions. Jesus knows his kingdom will triumph. And he wants you to triumph with it. He knows in advance every strategy the enemy will use against you and the kingdom. He knows your weaknesses and he knows your strengths. By revelation personal to you, you may discover some of these strengths and weaknesses through a careful and prayerful study of your patriarchal blessing. Through proper prayer, prayer you can ask him to reveal to you your weaknesses so you can amend your life. In the Book of Mormon in Ether, chapter 12, verse 27, the Lord says the following. May I suggest tonight, and I'm so pleased to see so many of you with your scriptures, that you take down the references only and read the scripture after the meeting. This from Ether. If men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. If they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. God can reveal to you your talents and your strengths, and so you will know what you can build upon. Be assured that in all your righteous endeavors, you can say, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, quote, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. And also be assured, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that there will be no temptation befall you, but what is common to man. But God will, with each temptation, prove a way to escape. Now we follow a perfect leader, not only one who tells us to do what he says we should do, but the only one who can say that we should be as he is in everything. In the Book of Mormon, in 3 Nephi chapter 27, verse 27, the Lord asked the question, What manner of man ought ye to be? And then he answered by saying, Verily I say unto you, even as I am, what manner of man was Jesus when he was your age, when he was growing into manhood, when he was personally preparing himself during those 30 years for his three-year public ministry? Turning to the book of Luke in the New Testament, chapter 2, verse 52, we read these 14 significant words. 
and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Here then are the four great areas where Jesus grew in personal preparation. During your first 30 years, this covers the time in your lives when most of you will be serving missions, getting your education, dating, getting married, establishing homes, and finding and beginning a career. If we then are to follow in his footsteps, we also should increase in those same four areas in which he increased. In the Doctrine and Covenants, section 93, verse 13, it states that Jesus received not of the fullness at first, but continued from grace to grace, not from sin to grace, but from grace to grace until he received the fullness. We should move from grace to grace in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let us consider these four areas. First, Jesus increased in wisdom. Wisdom could be considered the proper, ap proper application of true knowledge. Not all knowledge has the same worth, nor are all truths equally valuable. The truths upon which our eternal salvation rests are the most crucial truths that we must learn. No man is truly educated unless he knows where we, he came from, why he is here, and where he can expect to go in the next life unless he can adequately answer the question which Jesus posed, What think ye of Christ? This world cannot teach us these things as the kingdom can. Therefore, the most essential knowledge for you to obtain is the saving knowledge within the gospel and the knowledge of its author, even Jesus Christ. In fact, that eternal life for which we should all be striving, which is the greatest gift that God can give and which is God's type of life, the life of the great eternal one, that eternal life comes from knowing our Father in heaven and his Son, our elder brother, Jesus Christ. As the scripture in John chapter 17, verse 7 reads, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And we cannot know about God and Jesus Christ without studying about them and then doing their will, which in turn will lead to additional revealed knowledge, which, is, if observed, will eventually lead us to further truths. And if we keep following this pattern, we will receive further light and joy, which will evidently lead us into God's presence, where we with Him 
will have a fullness. In the Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, verse 118, we are admonished to seek out of the best books words of wisdom. Surely these books must first include the scriptures. Next, alongside them, must be the words of the presidents of the church. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 21, verse 5, speaking of the president of the church, the Lord said, For his words ye shall receive, as if from mine own mouth. Unquote. These books make up what someone has referred to as the Lord's Library, namely the standard works and then the various volumes that contain the words of the different presidents of the Church. Of those volumes, that which would be of greatest importance to you would be the words of the current president of the Church, for his words are directed to our day and our needs. The Lord has also given a special mantle to the apostles, and the significance of their words is pointed out in Section 1 in the Lord's preface to the Doctrine and Covenants, where he says that those who will not give heed to the words of the prophets and apostles shall be cut off from among the people. The writing of other general authorities should be given consideration also. While the gospel includes the more crucial saving truths contained within theology, it also includes truth in other branches of learning. The Lord encouraged the early missionaries in the 88th section of the Doctrine and Covenants, verse 79, to be instructed more perfectly in things both in heaven and in earth and under the earth, things which have been, things which are, things which must shortly come to pass, things which are at home, things which are abroad, the wars and perplexities of the nations, and the judgments which are on the, the land, and the knowledge also of countries and of kingdoms. Unquote. Today, with the abundant books available, it is a mark of a truly educated man to know what not to read. Of the making of books, there is no end. Feed only on the best. As John Wesley's mother counseled him, quote, Avoid whatever weakens your reason takes off your relish for spiritual things, increases the authority of the body over the mind. The fact that a book is old does not necessarily make it of value. The fact that an author wrote one good book does not necessarily mean that all his books are worthy of your time. Do not make your mind a dumping ground for other people's garbage. It is harder to purge the mind of rotten reading than it is the body of rotten food, and it is more damaging to the soul. Most novels and pulp magazines are filled with a lot of rubbish, 
and most TV and a lot of radio programs are a waste of time, if not corruptors of morals or distorters of truth. I'm grateful for our own BYU TV family station. We must be a light unto the world. The less newspapers have to say of value and of truth, the more pages they seem to take to say it. Usually a few minutes is more than sufficient to read the average paper. You have to select wisely your source of news. Otherwise, it would be better to be uninformed than misinformed. The subscribers of some mass magazines and newspapers are ever reading but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth <laughs> in the areas of most vital concern. As we approach the showdown, it will be increasingly valuable to have vocational, vocational skills, to be able to use your hands. The most essential temporal skills are knowledge, are to be able to provide food, clothing, and shelter. Increasingly, the Lord, through his, through his servants, have been trying to get us closer to the soil in raising our own produce. Let us summarize. The most vital knowledge, then, you can learn is the saving truths of the gospel, the truths that will make the difference in your eternal welfare. The most vital words that you can read are those of the presidents of the Church, particularly the living prophet and those of the apostles and prophets. God encourages learning in many areas, and vocational skills will have increasing importance. There is much reading material that is available, which is either time-wasted or corrupting. The best yardstick, then, to use is discerning true knowledge and learning of its worth is to first and foremost go to the words of the Lord's prophets. Secondly. Jesus increased in stature. There is no question that the health of the body affects the spirit, or the Lord would never have revealed the word of wisdom. God has never given any temporal commandments, and that which affects our stature affects our soul. There are at least four basic areas which make the difference in your health in your growing in stature. First, righteousness. Sin debilitates. It affects not only the soul but the body. The scriptures are replete with examples of physical power that can attend the righteous. On the other hand, unrepented sin can diffuse energy and lead to both mental and physical sickness. Disease, fevers, and unexpected deaths are some of the things that have been directly related to disobedience. 
Jesus healed a man of a physical malady and then told him in John chapter 5, verse 14, to sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Galahad said his strength was as the strength of ten because his heart was pure. Second, food. To a great extent, we are physically what we eat. Most of us are acquainted with some of the prohibitions, such as no tea, coffee, tobacco, or alcohol. What needs additional emphasis are the positive aspects. The need for vegetables, fruits, and grain, particularly wheat. In most cases, the closer these can be eaten in their natural state without over-refinement and processing, the healthier we will be. To a significant degree, we are an overfed and undernourished nation who are digging an early grave with our teeth <laughs> and are lacking the energy that could be ours by our indulgence in junk foods. I am grateful to know that on this campus you can get apples from vending machines, that you have in your student center a fine salad bar, and that you produce an excellent loaf of natural whole grain bread. Keep it up and keep progressing in that direction. We need a generation of young people who eat in a more healthy manner, as did Daniel, as who, and whose countenance show it, than to fare on the king's meat. Third exercise. The body needs the toning up that comes from exercise. Walking in the fresh air can be exhilarating and refreshing. Properly directed running can have some beneficial effects. Simple sit-ups or sporting activity can be helpful. Fourth, sleep. That's not a command. <laughs> Adequate early rest is best. In the Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, verse 20, 124, the Lord states, Cease to sleep longer than is needful. Retire to thy bed early, that you may not be weary. Arise early, that your bodies and your minds may be invigorated. There are too many enticements to late evening activities. Not only can this weary the body, but a wearied body may be more susceptible to improper activities in the darkness and late of the night. Early to bed and early to rise is still good counsel, and a brief nap during the day can be recuperative. Thirdly, and Jesus increased in favor with God. What are some of the things 
that would increase our favor with God. There are many, of course. The book of Abraham and the Pearl of Great Price, chapter 3, verse 25, states that one of the purposes of life is to be proved, to see if we will do all things whatsoever the Lord our God shall command us. In short, we are to learn the will of the Lord and do it. We are to follow the model of Jesus Christ and be like him. The essential question of life should be the same one that Paul asked in the book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 6, when he said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? God's will for you can be determined from three sources. One, the scriptures, particularly the Book of Mormon, of which the prophet Joseph said a man would get closer to God, nearer to God by abiding its precepts than any other book. Two inspired words from the Lord's anointed, particularly the presidents of the church, and especially the living one, along with the words of the apostles and prophets. Local church leaders are also entitled to give inspired direction for those over whom they preside. Three, the Spirit of the Lord. The world has the light of Christ to help guide them, but we are entitled to that great gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the Holy Ghost to be fully operative, we have to keep our channels clean of sin. The cleaner our channels, the easier it is to receive God's message to us. We must never forget this. And the more of his message we receive and do, the greater will be our joy. If our channels are not clear of sin, then we may think we have gotten inspiration on the matter when it is really sin-spiration, that is, promptings from the adversary. To the end of clearing our channels and keeping them clear, I would admonish you, all of you, to read President Kimball's book, The Miracle of Forgiveness. And the sooner you can read it, the greater blessing it will be to you. Practices that would increase our favor with God would include, would include daily scripture study, along, the personal, along with personal prayers, morning, midday, and night. We need to render service to our Father's children through the family, the church, and the country. God also has a timetable or a sequence or a season for good things, a mission, when its time has arrived, takes priority over marriage and education. And when one is mature enough and has found the right companion, then marriage should not be delayed for education. While all three, mission, marriage, education, are essential. There is a proper order to follow. We need more men and women of Christ who will always remember him, 
and who will keep his commandments, which he has given them. The greatest yardstick of success is to see how close your daily walk can be like Christ, how close you can walk each moment in his steps. Fourthly, and Jesus increased in favor with man. The greatest role you can take to bless your fellowship is to be strong missionaries and be strong patriarchs and matriarchs, to raise a righteous posterity who will be part of the solutions to the world's problems and not part of the problems. You have probably heard that the greatest church work you can perform will be within the walls of your own home. It is also true that no nation and no church will ever be stronger than its homes. For a man, there is no calling as high as that of a righteous patriarch married in the house of the Lord, presiding over his own children. Even the very Elohim, our God, has us address him as our Father who art in heaven. For a woman, there is no calling as high as that of a righteous mother married in the house of the Lord, rearing a noble posterity. Someone has said that happy is the man who has found his worship, his wife, and his work and loves all three. Do you realize that during your comparati comparatively young years, you will personally be making three of the most momentous decisions of your life? You will be citing on the role of the Church or worship in your life. The selecting of a wife or husband, and particularly for you men, the choosing of your life's work. All of you can know, if you don't know already, that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the only true Church upon the face of the earth. All you need to do to gain this knowledge is to read the Book of Mormon and then do what the Book of Mormon states in Moroni Chapter 10, verse 4. Quote, And when ye shall receive these things, I would exhort you that you would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if ye shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. To this I bear humble and grateful testimony. If the Book of Mormon is true, which I testify that it is, then Joseph Smith was a prophet. If Joseph Smith was a prophet, then the church he established as an instrument in God's hands is true.
even the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If the church is true, then there stands at the head of the church today a prophet of God. Now, in addition to finding your worship, you will need to find your wife or husband. This will require careful and prayerful consideration. It would be well if you can mingle among many good people to have a better understanding of others. If you desire a fine companion, then you should be that kind of a fine person whom that companion will be looking for. Your dating should be on a high and wholesome level. One of the best yardsticks to know whether a certain person may be best for you is to ask yourself the question as to what kind of an influence this person has on you. In their presence, do you wish you were better than you are? Do you think some of your noblest thoughts? Does their company encourage you to goodly deeds? If this is so, then that person could be worthy of greater consideration. But if being in their company tends in the opposite direction, then you had best leave them. Girls, you are not required to lower your standards to get a husband. Keep yourselves attractive. Maintain high standards. Place yourselves in a position to meet worthy men and be engaged in constructive work. Then if you are married later than sooner, if you even have to wait until the next life to get a choice man, God will make it up, will make up the difference to you. This I know. Time only is numbered to man. God has your eternal perspective in mind. And now, so far as your work is concerned, it is divinely ordained what the woman should do, but a man must seek out his work. The divine work of women involves companionship, homemaking, and motherhood. It is well if skills in these three areas can first be learned in your parents' home and then supplemented at school if a need or desire presents itself. It is the first prerequisite for a woman to prepare herself for her divine and eternal mission, whether she is married soon or late. It is folly to neglect that preparation for education in unrelated fields just to prepare yourself to temporarily earn money. When you are married, it is the husband's role to provide, not yours. Do not sacrifice your preparation for an eternally ordained mission for the temporary expediency of money-making skills which you may or may not use. I do not think it needs to be an either-or choice.
But if it does, then you choose the divine mission, preparation. Some girls are well-prepared for their mission and want to acquire additional skills in other areas. And that is fine, if they so desire. It is simply a case of putting first things first, or to paraphrase the Lord when he was speaking of those who obeyed the lesser law and neglected the weightier matter. These ye might do, but don't leave the other undone. Some girls acquire money-making skills in areas closely related to their divine missions, and you can see the advantages of that approach. Now, brethren, it is your role to be the leader in the home. While the wife may be considered the heart of the home, you are the head. You are the provider. And it takes the edge off your manliness when you have the mother of your children also be a provider. What will you choose for a career? What will your work be? Someone has said that no one is born into this world whose work is not born with him. We bring from our pre-existence various talents and abilities. We strive to find the right wife, and it is our responsibility to strive to find where we can make contribution to our fellow men in an area where we have some interest and abilities and where we can at the same time provide for our own. I am glad Beethoven found his way into music. Rembrandt into art, Michelangelo into sculpture, and President David O. McKay into teaching. To find your proper niche and do well at it can bless you, yours, and your fellow man. If you need help in finding your career, there are helps which are available. Ponder and pray about it. Second, study closely your patriarchal blessings. Third, consider what you do well. Fourth, take some vocational and interest tests. Fifth, get acquainted with various professions to see what's available. I understand you have a fine career counseling center here at BYU with a diversified program that offers help through classes, testing, seminars, a library, etc. I hope if you feel the need, you'll take advantage of these opportunities. How true it is. Happy is the man who has found his worship, his wife, and his work, and loves them all. The world is gradually beating a path to our door to see how we do things. Stick by your righteous guns, and you will bless your fellow man. Be right, and then be easy to live with, if possible, but in that order. 
My beloved brothers and sisters, 14 words. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And so can you. You are a royal generation. The heavenly grandstands are cheering on you. We're coming to a fast close of this game. The opposition is real and is scoring. But we have scored. We are scoring. And we will score in the future. The Lord is our coach and manager. His team will win. And we can be a valiant part of it if we so desire. Rise up. O youth of Zion, you hardly realize the great divine potential that lies within you. May you all follow your leader, Jesus Christ, and increase mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. I pray for all of you as I bear witness to the truths of the Master. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to the Come Follow Me podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.